He is worthy of all our praise and our glory and the honor. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's the source of our true hope this morning. He's the, he's the only reason why we, why we need to get excited this Christmas season. He's the only true hope that we can hold on to. All other hope will fail. This world system will fail. Our relationships may fail, but our God won't. But our God won't. Amen. I uh, would like to thank Pastor Nate for a preaching opportunity. Um, just uh, thankful for being under his leadership and uh, appreciate all your prayers. There's a word from the Lord this morning. There's a word of hope this morning for God's people. And if you would turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The 24th chapter. And we'll be reading starting at the 13th verse. And if you would, and if you're able, please stand. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Be reading down to verse 27. And it reads, That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other, about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hope, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? 27. And 
beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing. You may be seated. If you would bow with me in a word of prayer. Lord God, I ask, come to you humbly asking, Lord God, just to be with us this morning as we delve into your word, Lord God. As we look forward to your hope, Lord God, I ask that you strengthen us, Lord God. I ask that you strengthen our faith, that we may endure, Lord God, even through this Advent season, Lord God. I ask that you would open up your word to to us this morning. Take my weak and feeble words, Lord God, and use them to your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. And if you would take for a title with me, A Hope That Never Dies. A Hope That Never Dies. We have in this story an account of Luke, right after the crucifixion, the death and the burial of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have... Everything in the person of Jesus Christ that their disciples was hoping for had just perished. And the attitude of the disciples was just as we read, just as these two disciples were. Every one of his disciples were of the same way. They were afraid. They were hiding. They were gathered together in their homes and they were distraught. These two disciples were so distraught that it seemed that they were going back to their home. And I'm not sure if anybody has ever been in a hopeless situation, but this seems to be the epitome of a hopeless situation. This was a time in Israel's history of one of the greatest disjustices that they have ever seen, the, one of the greatest injustices that the world has ever seen. You, you have a man totally innocent of any crime, of any type of punishment of any judiciary backlash going to the courts and being condemned by the people and by the government of the day. And not just any man, but a man here that they says was a good man, a a prophet. One that was mighty in deeds and mighty in his word. And one who was recognized as mighty in deeds and mighty in his word by the people who were crucified, one of the most horrific deaths possible and one of the most shameful deaths that we see recorded in the Bible to the most innocent person who ever walked the earth who holds the hope of all of his disciples. So we understand or we think we can understand the hopelessness of this situation. These disciples had totally placed their hope in Jesus. They had totally placed their hope in Jesus. And just going over our Advent season and and the excitement of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the excitement of what it meant for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ever since even Genesis 3, we have been looking forward to God's anointed one. 
Genesis 3.15, it, it lays out the, prophet, the prophecy of Jesus to come. It says that because the serpent has done this great evil, he was being punished. And he said that there will be enmity between the seed of man or seed of woman and the serpent seed. And the, and the seed of the woman would crush his heel or crush his head, but the seed of the serpent would bite his heel. So we have been looking forward to this moment for all of man's existence. And finally, it's here. You have the great advent, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great excitement that comes with that. And, and we know it as the Christmas season. Everybody has that, that song that they listen to that kind of indicates that it's the holiday season. Every, for me, it's, it's my mama's dressing. So when I have my mom's dressing, it, it starts feeling just a little bit more like the holiday season. It starts feeling just a little bit more exciting, a, a little bit more uh, Christmassy. <laughs> so it might, be, it might be the food that, that we eat. It might be the songs that we hear. Um, I'm not sure about you, but I've been hearing Christmas music in my house since the beginning of, of November, so if you're not in the Christmas mood, you, you are either sick of it or you better get ready for it. So I don't know what song it is that, you, that it is for you to hear that would indicate the Christmas season or the food that it would to get you into the, the spirit of the holidays. But, but for them, we see that it's no more than Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ that they had laid their hope on. And it's Jesus Christ that we need to lay our hope on today. And we see that true hope and a hope that never dies requires the whole truth. We see in the scripture that, that these disciples were very distraught. They were going to Emmaus and, and this city of Emmaus was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And um, they, were, they were headed there, and they were talking, and they were discussing with one another. And I don't know if you've ever been in a hopeless situation where you're trying to figure it out, but it seems like this is the spirit in which these disciples are going. They're, they're discussing with their, with their counterparts on how could this happen? How could the one that we have so much hope in, how could the one that we've waited so long to fulfill the prophecies, the one that we look forward to the most, how could it end like this? How could it end like a death on a gory cross? Why aren't we not being vindicated right now? Why isn't he overthrowing the Roman rule that oppresses us? Why isn't he overthrowing this evil rule that, that it is in our place? And we see that they get a visitor and an eavesdropper on their conversation. And it's Jesus himself. And, and for some reason or another, we see in the scripture that they are prevented from knowing that it's Jesus. And because they are prevented from knowing that it's Jesus, he comes and he just, he asks a couple questions. And um, we see that a, a hope that never dies, it requires the truth. And Jesus, he has this way of asking real trivial questions to get at the heart of what you believe. He asks real trivial questions and, and simple questions that, that are almost rhetorical and almost uh, a no-brainer to get at what you have put your hope in, what idols you have in your life. And I, and I love how he does it here in the scriptures. It says, but in 16, but their eyes were uh, kept from 
recognizing him. 17, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you're having, that you're holding with one another as you walk? And they stood still. This question was so, so baffling to them that they stopped in their tracks and they, they addressed it with such smugness. Like, are you the only one in Israel, the only one that's visiting Jerusalem that hadn't heard, that hadn't seen what had took place there with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And he said to them, and, and, and this question gets them to uh, talking about what they, so he starts to explain, Cleopas takes the lead in, in addressing Jesus. And he says, in verse number 18, it says, Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem that does not know the things that happen in these days? 19, and he said to them, What things? Jesus says, What things? So he gets them, explain to me, tell me, tell me what you're talking about. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, word and before God and the people. We see right here that they have it right, but they have it so wrong also. And we see that a, a true hope that never dies requires the whole truth about the situation. And the first truth that we must realize is who Jesus is. What he came for. What is our hope in? If our, if our hope is not in, if our hope is in Jesus Christ, we got to know what Jesus Christ came for. And I'm not sure that they did. During the first advent, when they saw Jesus as the baby laying in the, in the manger, in the hay, I don't think that that everybody was realizing or these disciples were realizing that this child came not to just conquer on an earthly level, but he came, he came to die. He came to become the crucified Savior. And, and it's not because of lack of scripture. All throughout scripture, it tells us about this. It's fulfilling the prophecy. Acts 3.18, I think, really sums it up. It says, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Christ fulfilled this. Acts 17, 2 and 3, it says, according to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths he reasoned with them. So even Paul had trouble getting them to realize that with them from the scriptures explaining and giving evidence that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying this, Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you, is the Christ. Christ didn't just come to be an earthly savior. He came for a much deeper purpose. He came to die. We, our hope is not in, in baby Jesus who came into the world, but our hope is in the crucified Christ. Our hope has to be grounded in the truth of who God and who Christ really is. And, and for these disciples, they weren't looking for that. They were looking at him. They saw the miracles that he did. They saw how he fed the, the, the 5,000. They saw how he led his people. They saw how he got worldly acclaim from the people. 
And they were looking for him to make all things right as we know it. And, and, and church, if we're not careful, Forrest, if we're not careful, we, we will put our hope in false hopes. We will get caught, so caught up in the world around us that we can't see what God is doing. And our hope has to be in the whole truth of the gospel. Our hope can't just be in the crown, Jesus Christ, but our hope got to be in the cross of Christ also. But we despise that. We despise the shame. He was the anointed one of, of God. That means the hand of God was upon him to do the work of God. And, and, and if the hand of God is upon you to do the work of God, that means you don't, you're not defeated. You, you, you don't get killed. And, and everything that Christ was, everything that he was betraying, even his lowly upbringing, was so countercultural to what they thought that the ruling king should be, the, the king that's going to sit on David's throne and rule forever. It's not the, the, the Jesus that they saw on the cross hanging and bleeding and dying and being succumbed to this world. So we have to know the worth of Christ. We have to know the true hope in Christ. And despising the cross, it does something. Like, so if we, de if we despise the cross and just expect his crown, it's saying this. It's saying just what these disciples saying. We, we had hopes. We had hope that he would redeem Israel. So what these disciples were saying he did come to redeem Israel. Jesus did come to redeem Israel, but just not like they thought he would redeem Israel. Redeeming Israel, he thought that he would redeem them from the slavery and the, and the oppression of the Roman Empire. He thought that he was going to come back as a, as a political leader and, and make all things right within Israel. And, and they were going to be restored to this God's chosen people. They, they were thinking that Israel is all that in a bag of chips, and if it wasn't for these Romans, we, we would be God's chosen people, and we wouldn't have all these sin issues. So despising the cross, the cross of Christ and, and, and not recognizing that he had to bleed and he had to die and he had to, and he had to be buried in a tomb and he had to be resurrected, it, it undermines the depravity of our situation. And, and to have a hope that, that never dies, we have to be privy of our depraved situation as slaves to sin. We weren't just slaves to the oppressor of the Roman rule. We weren't just slaves to the oppressor of the, of the chief priests who were abusing their powers, but we were also slaves to our own sin. He, he came to die for us. He came to redeem each and every one of us. He, didn't, he, he came to redeem us from our sin, from our, our shortfallings. Our true hope has to be grounded in the fact that he, Christ, God himself had to come on this earth and he had to die. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We have to realize that we, we are not all that in a bag of chips. It's not our government keeping us down. It's not these relationships that we have that's, that's preventing us from being these great people. But it is our sin. It is our, our condition of being slaves to sin while Jesus come, has come to the thing. It is, it is that fact that we should be looking forward to his coming because if we look at a close look at ourselves... We are the depraved part. We are the reason why we should be looking forward to the coming of Christ. 
Not because of, uh, of the oppression on the outside, but also because of the oppression of how we harbor our idols. Israel is in this situation because, because they had a problem with idols. Israel is in, a situ- in, is in this situation because they have a problem with fidelity to God. They have a problem with faithfulness to God. In the, in the coming of, of Christ, we see him as conquering king. But do we see him as conquering king in our lives? When we look forward to, when we get excited about this Christmas season, are, are we looking forward to how God went and, and he came into our broken situation and he broke those chains of oppression and he freed us from sin? They weren't looking at their sin. They were looking at everybody else's. And in order to have a hope that never dies, we have to have a right view of Christ. And in having a right view of Christ, it allows us to have a right view of self. And that right view of self is hopeless. We are hopeless without Christ. We are totally hopeless without Christ. But God, he he provides this way. We are sinful, and we see just how God chooses to redeem hopeless disciples in this text. We see that these disciples were extremely hopeless because they had their hope founded in the wrong place. They were looking for a political, I don't know what we may be looking forward to today, but maybe Christmas doesn't mean a lot to us today. Maybe Christmas stopped meaning something when whatever that hope was or whatever that good feeling maybe died off. I don't take it for granted that that the holidays don't mean the same thing for everybody. We may be bereaving in this time. We may may be remembering the death of a grandmother, a grandfather during this time. And, And that might be what we hinged Christmas on. That might be what we hinged and what we have associated the hope that never dies, the the hope that Jesus brings, the true hope of of true salvation and, and, and true redemption in. And we as Christians, we see what Jesus does here. So when they did this, it says, uh, they're explaining to Jesus why they're so hopeless, why they're downcast, what they're talking about. And in 23, it says, uh, when they did not find the body, did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that they were alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but, at, but him they did not see. So they're explaining to him just what happened at the, at the empty tomb. They're explaining the account of, of, of proven Christians. These women, Mary Magdalene and, and Joanne and Mary, uh, the mother of James, the, these, these women who, who's, uh, whose witness is, is untainted. They're, they're not believing this witness. Even in some versions, it says they did not believe it. They took it as idle fables or idle tales. They took it as make-believe. Even though Jesus had already pre-warned them and warned them that this must take place, that I must, I must die and I will be risen again. They were, letting, they were letting their own lack of faith 
judge what they believe, even though Jesus said it. Even though they had account and witnesses of reliable uh, God fears. They said something here that that kind of painted a picture of how the culture was back in that day. And I think it's how the culture is now. But they did not see him. They wouldn't believe because they wouldn't see. And, and it reminds me of Hebrews 11 and 1, the definition, I believe, to, to faith. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And, and, and they were basing what they believed on what they were able to see. They, they weren't basing and believing off of what God had said. And if we want to have a true hope, we have to take God at his word. In this Advent season, we see that it is harping, this hope that we're hoping for is hinged on, the, on God's ability to do what God said that he would do. He has proven himself time and time again. We see that when we hope, but it's not for no reason. A lot of these people were having trouble dealing with the resurrection, dealing with the 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 theological concept of resurrection. They were having debates as, as to see as if it is even possible. But the Christian should it shouldn't have been a theological debate because Jesus said he would do it. So it shouldn't have been a problem when it happened. And, and, and that's where we find ourselves today. We have to have a faith that is grounded in the word of God. We have to believe God and take him at his promises. Right now, he, he, is, he, is about to, he is about to chime in. He's about to give them a rebuke so heavy. He tells them that they are foolish for not believing all the words of the prophets. They weren't believing all. The, they were just believing the parts that they wanted to hear. Oh, yeah, he was going to come and redeem us. They, they, they heard that part, but they forgot the part that said that he had to suffer and he had to die. He forgot the part where he was instructing his disciples that there was going to be a, a, a suffering that he would have to go through, that he wouldn't be with them long, that he was going to go up to the Father and have to leave him. They weren't hearing that part. And, it, and it's those times right there that we place our faith and in, 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 in our hope in false hopes. When we just isolate the good parts of the scripture and leave off the ones that we don't want to hear. It wasn't that they didn't understand that he was going to have to suffer, but it didn't fit their bill of what a savior looked like. What, what does our savior today look like in our minds? And, it, and does that image match up with what the word of God says? What, what are we hoping for in this world today? Is it the second coming of Christ? Or are you hoping that something, somehow that our government is going to get it together? Are you having worthless conversations with your partners on your way in a hopeless situation in the wrong direction about something that God already says was going to happen? Or, or are we not accepting the words of Christ? Are we placing our hopes that somehow we're going to get it together on this earth? The hope of the gospel is not that we're going to live these awesome, carefree, per unpersecuted lives. The, the hope of the gospel is that we're going to be persecuted. But God is going to be with us every step of the way. And when we stand up for him, we, we even see in our Sunday school lesson in, in, in Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they had to go through the fiery furnace. 
God did not deliver them from that trouble, but he saw them through it. He was there every step of the way. And the disposition of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was that God can. But if he don't, he's still God. And he's still good. And that's how I got to be our disposition today. It has to be our disposition. That God can. And he can act any way that he wants to. And he chooses to act. He chooses to be fulfilled through Jesus the Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ fulfills all the prophets. He fulfills the law. He fulfills it. I like how pastor said it last Sunday. He is our amen. He is where we find our amen. He is the final say-so in our lives. And if it never gets worked out, he is our, he is our amen. He is our final say-so. He is our savior. He is our crucified Lord in Jesus Christ. He is the one that's going to come and make it right. And if it never fits the, the perfect mode in my mind of what it looks like, I know, I know that he is, however he comes, however offensive it may, offensive it may be. Lord, allow me to accept it if it aligns with your word. Crucifixion is not how they saw Jesus ending this. Crucifixion was the last thing on their minds during this time. They were just hailing him king of kings, throwing down palm leaves, declaring him lord of lords. And we see that Jesus encourages these disciples through the word of God. In verse 27, it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that's just a way of saying that. He, he took them through every scripture of the Bible. And he showed, him, he showed them himself in every scripture of the Bible. Ain't that amazing? He, he took them to the story of Moses and said, I'm Moses. I'm the one who delivers the people out of, I, I'm, I'm the better Adam. I'm the father of faith in, in Abraham. I'm the one who sustained Abraham. Abraham wasn't all that. But it was me, it was my faithfulness. It was him leaning on what I did on the cross that got Abraham considered righteous. I'm the better David. I'm the king that won't fall. I'm the king that won't fail. I'm the king that'll never die. I'm the king that will always sit on the throne. I'm the king that will always have a power and authority. And you don't have to worry about me abusing my power because I'm righteous and I'm holy. And he takes these disciples through the scriptures and they get excited about it. And they get so excited about it if you continue reading that even though it's late, and Jesus has to go on. They bid, it's too late, Jesus. Come, come and stay with us. And they break bread. And finally, Jesus reveals himself to them. After they get the truth of the gospel, after they get the truth that every scripture is not talking about how Israel is going to be this dope country, but how Israel is going to be a, part, a little part of God's big plan. Once they, once they took themselves out of it, once they recalibrated what they were thinking to the scriptures, they were able to see Jesus clearly. And then when they were able to see Jesus clearly, they stopped going to Emmaus. They, they didn't want to be in Emmaus anymore. It's funny how, how, we, how we make decisions in our hopeless state. How we make decisions based off of this despair and this hopelessness where our eyes aren't fixed on a, a solid hope. It's amazing where we, 
where we land, it's amazing at the decisions that we make when our eyes aren't fixed on who Jesus is. And, and, and we see that we could be like these disciples headed away from God's will for their life. But God, he, he considered them, even though they were, they were basically nameless before this, they, he comes and he reveals himself to them. And he shows him himself in the scriptures. And because now their hearts were burning with this truth, they, they saw the cross differently. It wasn't despair anymore. It was hope. It was hope that, uh, that I, I'm not good enough, but Christ did it all. And, and he even imputed that righteousness upon me. And now I have a chance at redemption. Now I am truly redeemed into the Father. It wasn't by my faithfulness. It wasn't by the faithfulness of the ones that we considered faithful in the Bible, but it was because of God's faithfulness. I like how my friend says it, God's faithfulness to himself. God was faithful unto himself to redeem and to see his people through. And, and once they were, once Jesus revealed himself through the scripture, and then he revealed himself in the flesh. He disappeared. And what does the disciples do when he, do, uh, when he disappeared? They went where they were supposed to go because their hope was placed in the right place. They was like, we got to tell somebody about this. We got all these people despairing when they should be celebrating. We got, we got all these people who, who, are, who are lingering at the cross when, when, when the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Christ is alive and he did what he says he don't do. And because Christ is alive, our hope is alive. We have a hope that will never die. If we place our hope in Jesus Christ, we have a hope that will never die. No matter how bad it gets in your life. No matter how bad you feel like your situation is, no matter how bad the home situation or the situation with your children is, or if you place your hope in Jesus Christ, he said he will make all things right. How much more important is it that we lean and depend on the scriptures, the, the truth of the gospel? In this Advent season, it's not about cards. It's not about the candies. It's not about the tree. Teach your children that it's not about St. Nick. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about our Savior who came and inserted himself into our brokenness. It's about him restoring our hope and our joy of our salvation. True hope requires Jesus Christ. It can't happen without him. And we see that in the scriptures. And, and because they have this true hope, what happens to those two hopeless disciples? They go back and they become witnesses for Jesus Christ. We see them witnessing to the same thing that they called idle tales and, 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 and ridic they called it ridiculous, man. What are you talking about? And ain't that how we are? How did you receive the resurrection of Jesus Christ the first time you heard it? The first time you heard it, how, how did you receive it? I was skeptical, to say the least. I was skeptical, to say the least. But through the scriptures, that's how we convince them. Through the life of Jesus Christ, through the person who he is, through who he shows you who he is in our everyday life. We have to believe him, and our hope has to be in the risen the crucified, the crucified Lord and Savior.
the, the risen Lord and Savior. Because it, when he rose, so did our hope. So did our victory. So did our future. True hope and a hope that never dies is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we come thanking you for this Advent season, Lord God. We thank you for your word, Lord God, that never falls short. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died and lived, Lord God, amongst us and showed us the way, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that our hearts are soft to your truth this Advent season, Lord God. We, we pray that you are the center of our hope and our joy, and our peace, Lord God, and our love. We, we hope that, that you are the center of Christmas, Lord God. I, I ask that, that you become the reason for our celebration. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. You heard the word of hope this morning. Let us thank God for the man of God who has given us the word of God. And let me just say, I'm grateful for Brother Michael McGee and his, his preparedness and his faithfulness. I text Mike on Friday. I've been battling laryngitis all week. And I said, Brother, I don't know if I'm going to be able to preach on Sunday. So just be ready. I got back on Friday, went to the doctor, got one of them shots, them steroid shots. And my voice actually sounded a whole lot better than it did, than it did then. But the Lord was like, you know what? It, if you really want the word of God preached today, you better let Mike preach. So I'm grateful that he, he brought the same word, this, this gift of hope in Jesus Christ. So I'm grateful for him, how the Lord used them even in his preparation. Uh, it's not easy to preach God's word. So I'm grateful how the Lord has been ministering to him to share with us this morning. And because we have this hope built on Jesus Christ, if you're here today, there's never been a moment in your life where you surrendered to the hope of Christ, where you've been trusting in yourself. You've been relying upon yourself. You've been depending upon yourself. Then you are in need of the Savior, the one who has laid down his life but yet rose on the third day, conquering sin and death. He is the hope of heaven. You may be here this morning, and there's never been a moment where you've trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. You can come and talk to one of the deacons, one of the men. We will show you from the scriptures what must you do to be saved. Or you may be here this morning, and it's been a long week, it's been hard, it's been a long journey, and you need someone to pray with you for you. There may be a sin you want to repent of, a sin you want to forsake. 
then you can come and you can uh, pray with one of the deacons, one of our young men. We can pray with you and for you. Or you may be here today and the Lord has drawn you to Forest Baptist Church. It's calling you to be a part of this, this covenant fellowship where we believe not in the hope of mankind, but we believe squarely in the hope of Jesus Christ. You can come. So whether your need is salvation, prayer, or church membership, you can come to the front as we all stand and sing our closing song. May we all stand. I dare not trust the sweetest fray, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Oh, love the ground is sinking all other ground is sinking sand when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may I then in him be found and him my right trustness alone faultless to stand before the throne 